What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS Podcast. I am Dan Malin. I am joined, as always, by the FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. We are talking Atlanta, kind of, sort of, super speedway, drafting, racing, whatever the hell they did to reconfigure this track. Uh Anyway, Matt, we are coming off the West Coast swing. Uh, NASCAR just wrapped up three straight weeks in Auto Club, Vegas, and Phoenix. How are you doing? How excited are you just to get the cars back on the East Coast? Doesn't matter to you at all. I'm, you know, I'm pretty happy anytime NASCAR tra- cars are on the track. Uh, to be honest, um, I thought Phoenix was a very interesting race. I thought it was relatively dull for most of it and then kevin harvick started making his run in the third stage and running people down and then he got screwed by a caution that let's face it kind of had to be called but i thought it was a little quick on the draw um he had a tire fall the hell off the car again so we're we're back to that problem um hendrick i don't know man i think hendrick and justin haley are gonna win their appeal for the Luber uh, situation. Um, I think it's more likely Haley wins his, but I'm interested in your argument. Uh, well, so Haley, yeah, I think he's a lock to win it because, A, they only took one, yep. uh, which means it's inconsistent. Um, and they never raced it. Obviously, they took them Friday before um, they were racing. So... You know, it, it's not like an advantage was gained on the track because they raced with supposedly approved louvers. But Hendrick is basically going with the same argument that the parts we were given didn't match what the single source specs said they would um, and what they got approved for. So I think that part is interesting to me that here we are with a single source deal now it's a lot easier to convince me that haley didn't do anything wrong when only one of his louvers was taken than when all of the louvers were taken off all of the Hendrick cars so it's not just haley though like nothing was taken from aj allmendinger's car either right so yeah. why are you going to cheat with one louver that's different like that doesn't literally doesn't make any sense um so, I, I don't know. I did find it interesting, though, that the fine levied against Hendrick is the largest in the sports history because it's actually larger when you combine them. It's larger than what Michael Waltrip Racing got for Spingate when they rigged the end of the Richmond race uh, a bunch of years ago to get uh, Truex and somebody else into the playoff. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I think it's interesting that even though Hendrick is appealing, they are not deferring the penalty for the crew chiefs this week. So there are backup crew chiefs on basically all of the Hendrick cars. Um, we say backup kiddingly, though, because one of them is Greg Ives, who was literally. <laughs> um, Mendering is another one. Right. And he like he's he stopped last year, too. So like. It's not like these dudes are out of practice. Right. Right. Like, I think it's, I think that Hendrick is well suited for having to swap out crew chiefs because they basically have an entire backbench of 
dudes who probably should still be crew chiefing. So here would be my next question is for a race like Atlanta and based on what we saw last year in the in the very small two race sample size. We're not really weighing the lack of crew chiefs too heavily, right? Like this. this Correct. Is like it's, OK, it's you got to call pit strategy with the rest of the team. Yep. And that's about it. Like there's no tire wear. Fuel shouldn't really be a concern here. Um, so it's basically just, hey, we're going to come pit with everybody this time and go catch the draft, right? Like, that's basically what it's going to come down to. So this isn't, and that's maybe why Hendrick isn't deferring for this race, because it doesn't really matter. So it shows good faith that they're taking the penalty seriously while also appealing the penalty. Um, but we'll see. I think I think you're right. I think Haley probably wins it. And I think... Hendrick might have a slightly tougher time because it was all of the louvers off of at least three of the four Hendrick cars. I can't remember if they took them off of Josh Berry's or not. Um, but maybe not because he got a top ten finish last week. I mean, there are even <laughs> ones that they they were taken off on Friday and they were not raced in. Right, but they did go to practice in them. Either way, those cars were fast without them. Right, because three of the four <laughs> qualified in what the top five. So, wasn't it Larson and Byron on the on the pole and outside pole, or Byron was third and Bowman was like fifth and Larson was on the pole? I think Bob Bowman qualified like P eighteen. Did he, did he have an issue? I can't. This is bad. I can't even remember what happened. Well, I only want to say that. I'll 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 pull up the racing reference. I oh, only want to say it because he qualified he qualified in the in the tens because I played the PD card with Alex Bowman. Yeah, and uh, when Bowman is going to be such a great DFS play for yeah. so long because of his crew chief. Yeah. So let let's flip it to Atlanta and you and I <clears> were debating <throat> before we started podcasting exactly how we want to build for this week because. So it's a it's a very small sample size for Atlanta, which is a weird thing to say. <clears throat> racing in Atlanta, it's like 1960. Okay, here's the problem: they completely redid the track after 2020 or 2021 and repaved it and reprofiled it and made it basically a mile and a half super speedway, right? To the point where they race with the same package at Atlanta as they have at Talladega and Daytona, right? Can I ask you a question? Yes. All right, so right before we started recording this podcast, I did a show with Ryan Larkin and Jason Hamlet of uh, Daily Fantasy Racing and Run Pure Sports. They both, and I agree with them, they both claim that this the repave and the reconfiguration, they it ruined Atlanta Motor Speedway. I actually agree yep. because this this drafting and super speedway salary, it's not my it's my favorite style of racing to see live. But if I'm yeah. watching on TV or if I'm playing DFS, it sucks. It's my least favorite style of racing. Do you agree? I would agree. We had a blast when we went to Daytona watching it, like, in yeah. person. Because you cannot fathom how fat, like, the speed doesn't translate on TV. It doesn't. Right. It, like, I can tell you they're doing 200 miles an hour, but until you see them do it in person, it doesn't translate. So, like, we had a really good view when we went to Daytona together because we were on top of, like, a pavilion that was on top of the garages. And we would pretty much just stand on one of the lunch tables up there. And we were just, like, basically, like, twirling, just watching the cars go. We we probably had the best 
view of the track, just like being in the infield and just watching the cars go by at 200 miles an hour. It was phenomenal racing. But and it's just way closer than you think they do. Yeah, and it doesn't translate on TV. No. So to see it live is fantastic, but I would agree that I much prefer Atlanta as a tire wear strategy, who can save their tires um, type track to what they've turned it into. And who knows? It's only one year into it. It's possible it gets better with age like Atlanta, the old Atlanta did. But that being said, we did get two different styles of race last year. The March race was a cluster. Like, it was a disaster from start to finish. <laughs> Nobody, they didn't have practice because it's a plate race. Yeah. Qualifying didn't matter. They got out there, and nobody could handle the speeds of a mile and a half, and they were wrecking left, right, and sideways all the time. Like, a third of the race was a run under caution, it seems like, right? Then we get to the July race, which, by the way, was also 100 miles shorter, the 400-mile race instead of the 500-mile race in March. And completely different race. It was much more of a standard intermediate race where five of the top six finishers in that race started in the top seven. The only one that didn't was Eric Jones starting 25th and going to fourth, right? Chase Elliott won from the pole. Chastain finished second, starting second. Austin Singer finished third, starting fifth. Ryan Blaney started sixth, finished fifth. And Daniel Suarez started seventh and finished sixth. So... From that regard, it makes it very interesting to build for this weekend. <clears throat> because a lot of people are going, well, we're just going to build like a standard Daytona or Talladega. Here's the problem. Laps led matter in this race. We saw in both races, the guy who won the race led at least 96 laps. Now, do we expect that to happen this year? Maybe, maybe not. I still think they drive it like an intermediate, which means passing for the lead is really hard to do. Yeah. Do we expect chaos? <laughs> I don't know. You said yourself, Dan lives in Atlanta. For those of you, he lives in the Atlanta area. So he's he knows the weather forecast for this weekend. It's going to rain Friday. We're recording this pretty late on Thursday night. It's going to rain Friday, almost assuredly washing out practice for... Uh, trucks and Xfinity. Yeah, qualifying, yeah. And qualifying in practice. Saturday, supposed to be better, but still cold. And Sunday's supposed to be colder, right? Sunday's yeah. the day of the weekend? Yeah. So, my inclination is that will give it more grip. I feel like the colder the track, the more grip it tends to have, especially on a new surface like Atlanta. Yeah. So... You and I disagree on this because you're expecting another March race like last year in which all all hell broke loose. And to give you an idea of that one in the Folds of Honor, quick trip 500. Byron won it, but he started 12th. Chastain finished second again, but started seventh. Chase Elliott finished sixth, started sixth. And then you had, so you had people all over the map in this one where like the top six guys, nobody started, the top five, nobody started better than seventh. That includes LaJoy, who started 33rd. And then you had Truex in the top 10 starting 26. You had Haley, top 11, starting 22nd. So, like, 
you had a bunch of dudes wreck out and have issues in the market. <clears throat> but I don't know if we get that again. I think we get more of a July race. So what if I tweak it a little bit? Okay. Okay. So let's look at the two race sample size that we have. And, and, and I'm kind of disregarding the weather argument here. Basically what we've seen in the two races is that we've seen the guy, the drivers in good equipment finish well, you know, like right. the spring race, Byron won the race, led a hundred laps. Chastain started seventh, but finished second, led 42 laps with 14 fastest laps. I'm really trying not to put too much weight. When I, when I think dominator points this week, I'm really just trying to think of laps led because similar to what we've seen with Daytona and Talladega is that the fastest laps are fairly evenly distributed throughout the field. Like nobody has more than 20 fastest laps. Yeah, the most in the spring race last year was 17. But <laughs> Chase Briscoe, who started on the pole. Tyler Reddick is the only guy who didn't have a fastest lap last year. Which is kind of... And he was on track for 245 of the 325 laps. Yeah. But, like, if you're still looking at the top 10 from last year's spring race, Byron, Chastain, Kurt Busch, Daniel Suarez, LaJoy, who who does have this race circled on his calendar now, he has gone on record on sacking pennies, uh, you know, saying, like, you know, he knows, like, his team's best chances to win are Daytona, Talladega, and now Atlanta. But even past Justine or LaJoy, who grabbed a top five at Atlanta last spring, you have Chase Elliott, Chris Buescher, Martin Truex Jr., Joey Logano, Alex Bowman, Justin Haley, who started 22nd and finished 11th. Again, very good, similar to Corey LaJoy, very good plate slash drafting racer. Then you got Brad Keselowski, Bubba Wallace, Eric Jones. So it's like we still see the mix of drivers on good teams, but also drivers that are just good uh, drafting racers in general. Corey LaJoy almost won this race in the summer. Justin Haley still finished seventh. So right, this like, is where Chase Elliott put LaJoy into the wall. Yeah, but I actually I mean, it, was think, late, it was a late block. It, it was a late block, and even LaJoy said, like, you know, he, he made an aggressive move thing. to try to get back to the lead, and he shook hands with Elliott on victory yeah. lane. Like, LaJoy handled it with pure class. And so, like, and I'm kind of pulling for LaJoy this week because it's like my my heart wants him to to win this race. Sure, it's it's, also March Madness, man. What's one more upset? Exactly. And, like, I took him at 50-1 to to win. Not the greatest odds we've ever seen, Corey LaJoy. I would have hoped for a little longer, but you're He should be 100-1. to Let's be honest. Which sport book did you take him at? Just curious. I can only take him at DK Sportsbook. Okay, because I'm actually in Virginia right now, so I'm actually legally allowed to bet. Oh, God. Where are you getting him? Um, so I'm looking at DK <clears throat> Sportsbook. And He's probably still 50. I wish I took Haley at 60. He is, he is 50 to 1. Let me check FanDuel, because now that I'm actually in a state where I can bet, I can actually see FanDuel odds, which is good. Um, let me... Let me see. I got to log back into FanDuel. Very good. Take your time. Which is also then going to, by the way, send me another flipping email from those people. Yeah, because you have to log into the whole verification thing. But, like, my point remains, like, you know, Corey LaJoy gets excited for an additional track uh, every year now. Like, he has six races that he can kind of pencil in, like, these are the races I can potentially win. 
and he's almost like a super speedway staple. Um, that that's not to say he's completely exempt from wrecking, but these are the kinds of tracks, including Atlanta, like we saw last year. He had a top five in the spring race, almost won the summer race. You know, if, if he stays clean, he's probably going to finish very well. I've seen plenty of people tout that you should bet him top ten, and I don't disagree if you can get him at a good value. Yeah, he's fifty to one on Fanduel to win. Top <clears throat> ten on Fanduel. Corey LaJoy is plus five hundred, so he's five. That's great. He's five to one. He's right there. The other guys who are top ten at plus five hundred is McDowell, Gregson, Almondinger, Gilliland are all five to one. Okay, so the only ones who are worse are Ty Gibbs at six to one, Harrison Burton at six and a half to one, Ty Dillon at eight to one, Cody Ware at nine to one, McLeod at nine to one, and JJ Yaley at nine to one. So, real quick, Ty Gibbs is actually kind of interesting because he won one of the Xfinity races last year. Yeah, but if we're talking Corey LaJoy, like you're getting five to one for a driver to finish top ten, he almost That's won the summer race because DK doesn't have top ten bets. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yes, they do. I stand corrected. But if you can get Corey LaJoy 5-1 to one to finish top 10, he is finished fifth year in the spring, he almost won the spring race. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> yeah, get it on Fanduel because he's 2-1 <clears throat> to one for top 10 on DK. Oh, F that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shop around. Go go, go bet shop. Well, you yeah. shop because Ty Gibbs is also 3-1 to one on DK for a top 10, but he's 6-1 to one on Fanduel for a top oh, 10. Oh, my God. Fanduel's offering the best odds. And I'm pretty sure they won't let us parlay them. Oh, I might have to drive to Tennessee this weekend. No, Fanduel will not let you parlay top tens anymore. Not after the... uh, Well, we're about to find out. (laughs) Not after the stacking Denny's guys gave away the Millie Maker last year. Can you do it? Your selections can't be combined into a single parlay. Nope. I tried to parlay Ty Gibbs and Corey LaJoy. (laughs) Top tens. And it wouldn't let me do it. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I understand why the guy used a $17 free bet to win basically a million dollars at Daytona last year. <laughs> it's awesome. Good for him. He literally parlayed the last five top ten dudes who all started in the back, like BJ McLeod and LaJoy and Cody Ware and something else. And they all finished top ten. So, unfortunately, we can't parlay them on FanDuel anymore. No, but especially on FanDuel, if you're getting, you know, five to one on Corey LaJoy to finish top ten, that's great. Yeah, also you can't do it on, on Ty Gibbs to finish top ten. That's that's still pretty good. I'd probably prefer LaJoy, um, but you, you do have to if you take those separately, you have to feel pretty good about one of those guys hitting. Correct. Just trying to see, like, oh god. I might have to text my dad because he lives. Drew right X is plus one fifteen for a top ten. Bowman is plus one fifteen for a top ten. Bubba's plus one fifteen for a top ten on FanDuel. Daniel Swart, like, what is Chastain? Chastain is minus two fifty, which is reasonable. Yeah, but he's also. Chastain is plus four hundred for a top three finish, though. I I would not take second that. Second in both races last year. I know. 
But four to one to finish top three. Yes. I can't do it. I'd rather take him outright to win at longer odds. What is he to win on FanDuel? Just curious. He is plus 1,200 to win. I'd rather just take that. I agree. I agree. Um, so, you know, we we said in Discord we would talk a little bit about contest selection. <sighs> to me, it's going to come down to how you see the slate playing out. Do you see it playing out more like the July race, which was a 400-mile race as opposed to last March, which was a 500-mile race? Sunday's race is 400 miles. So the distance is more like the distance and laps are identical to July's race. The weather is similar to last March. So <laughs> to me, it comes down so. to, do you see chaos reigning supreme and you feel more comfortable with GPPs? Or do you think it's a fairly readable slate? And obviously we are recording this before practice and qualifying two reasons. One, it, there's no practice for cup series or any series. Well, yeah. Um, qualifying is on Saturday for the Cup Series. I'm still going to be in the car, and Dan is going to be at the track on Saturday because he's going to the truck and Xfinity races. Um, so schedule-wise, it wasn't going to work to record that. But secondly, it, we also consider it to be they're running the same package as Daytona and Talladega. So typically for those races, we do it at some point midweek, and it's a strategy pop. So if you can get a good read, on it you feel good about how the slate is breaking down you can play cash here not going to tell you not to um but i'm also not going full bore stack the back root for chaos to happen because i don't i don't believe that will happen the way i'm seeing it is i'm building it like if i'm making how many lineups are you making this week <clears throat> Okay, so it it really does depend on how qualifying shakes out. So currently, we you know we we're recording this Thursday night. I'm of the mindset that qualifying for truck and Xfinity is rained out. And what I really wanted to do this weekend was just do one cash lineup for each series, play it in single entry cash contest, low dollar, because I don't want to go blowing all my bankroll on. A, a track like this where we have a very small sample size. So I was going to do maybe 30 to $40 in cash contests for, you know, truck with maybe like $5 in tournaments, same thing for Xfinity, but then for cup, since I feel more confident that we're going to have qualifying because there is a part of me that feels truck and Xfinity qualifying is rained out and the starting order is set by the metric, which may relegate me to just playing tournaments and playing less of my bankroll. I still think uh, Cup gets qualifying in, and so I feel better about once that lineup shakes out and I can kind of dissect it. Maybe I'll play cash, but if I don't play cash, I'm not going to complain about just playing GPPs. But if I'm going to play GPPs, you know, they're – I probably dabble in the in the happy hour, which is just the one dollar twenty max, and I just make lineups based on what I know about. I guess these drafting races and what we saw last year, and 
trying to get that one guy that can maybe lead 90 to 120 laps and then fill in guys that fill in five other drivers on DraftKings that can just finish in the top 15, maybe the top 10 with PD. Um, That kind of is my strategy. I know it sucks because it's like, I don't like saying I don't know, but in, in a situation like this, I don't think there's any shame in saying I still don't know what to expect from this race this weekend. I agree. So if I'm building, if I'm building, let's say five lineup, <clears throat> I'm going to build four of them to be a standard intermediate lineup where we have one dominator. And then we're hunting the guys that can give us good finish positions, some fastest laps in there, um, maybe some PD. Then I'm building one lineup that is a prototypical super speedway lineup, which has maybe one guy in the top 10 and the rest of them starting 20th on back. Right. If I'm building 10 lineups, I'll shift that to like 70% intermediate, 30% pure chaos. Because if the March race happens again, like it did last year, which, again, I don't suspect because a lot of the stuff happened in the last 100 miles of that race. Like, a lot of chaos happened in the last 100 miles. Yeah. To the point where if you look at... um, Looking at where I get my data from, right? And we go with the last 10% of the race. So they have... They have a stat called position at last 10% of the race. So with only 10% of the race left, which would be the last, let's see, there's 325 laps last year. So 30. Between the last 26 to 32 laps. Yeah. Here was the top 10. William Byron, Bubba Wallace, Ryan Blaney, Eric Amarola, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, Ross Chastain, Alex Bowman, C. Bell, and Kislowski. By the time the finish happened, only like a few of those dudes were left in the top in the top 10. The only ones that were left who were running in the top 10 with like 30 laps to go, Byron, Chastain, Suarez, and Bowman. Everybody else wrecked out, including like Seabell, finished 23rd. Started 27th, moved up to 9th with 30 laps to go, and finished 23rd. Almarola went from 4th to 22nd in the last 30 laps. Um, so like the last hundred miles of that race had a bunch of chaos happen. Like Blaney started second, was in the top three or four, basically the whole race. And then with about 30 laps to go somewhere between that and the finish, he moved to 17. Right. So if the race is shorter, feel like that eliminates some of the craziness from the last part of that race. So that's why I'm leaning towards a higher percentage being like a normal intermediate. But if somebody screws up qualifying and, and you know, provides us with a chalky play or for some odd reason the forecast shifts and they can't get in qualifying on Saturday, which I, again, highly doubt happens, they're going to set it by a formula, which, by the way, the Hendrick penalties are going to come into play because they all shifted massively down to where they are in the point standing. So there is that. However, there is one Hendrick driver I don't want any parts of 
this week, and it's Kyle. Josh Berry. Uh, I initially thought Josh Berry, but you know what? Now that you said it, Kyle Larson is the most expensive driver on DraftKings at 11200 Not the greatest resume on drafting or super speedways. I think he only has one. I think his best finish is fourth, and he's led in his entire career maybe 60 to 70 laps, if that's accurate. Yeah, I saw a tw- I saw a tweet earlier this week, and I don't remember who had it. Let me do a see if I can't do a quick search on Twitter to come up with the because I I know I saw a tweet about Larson being I think he's also like co favorite at a bunch of the sports books this week, which this makes week. no sense. I don't get why he's the co favorite with William By- William Byron. I get he's one Daytona. He won this race a year ago, was running very well in the summer race. I understand justifying him as a 9-1 to favorite to win. I don't get putting Larson up there unless sportsbooks are just looking at, you know, from a casual fan perspective of, like, who has led the most laps the last handful of races, and they're just seeing Byron and Larson are dominating the last two races. Then I get it. But at the same time, Byron has shown – the ability to run very well here. Kyle Larson has admitted to not being very good in these drafting races and these super speedway races. Like, why the yeah. hell would we play him this week? I, I, I hope, I hope he lands on the pole somehow when they run just a single lap by themselves, and then we can just go out and let you know the tournament players like accumulate twenty plus percent ownership, and we can just fade him and have some edge. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, that was the number one comment, by the way, when uh, prices came out. Was like, how in the hell is he that much? Yeah. Like, it just doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense because his stats at drafting tracks are not good at all in terms of like. Leading laps, having fastest laps. He always seems to crash out or get caught in the issue um, at Daytona or Talladega. Um, it just doesn't. It just doesn't make any any sense. Now, that being said, if he's on the pole, I, I don't know if our full no play stance can hold, especially if we expect it to be like a normal intermediate. But that's still. That's still so what if, what if we added a caveat to him being on the pole and it depends on who is starting next to him and who is starting immediately behind him? That's true, because he was on the pole of Phoenix and got jumped at the beginning of the right now. He and made up for only, it. And the only reason he got out to the lead in the second stage is because he beat Byron off pit road. Right. Um, so he did make up for it, and he led a chunk of laps, obviously, and it it did get him like a hundred and something points last week. Yeah, but originally he did not get the jump. <laughs> yeah, his teammate smoked him. Um, so yeah, it's it's an entirely different racetrack this week. So like, don't put too much weight into what you saw last week. Right, and also, by the way, anybody who wants to give you Atlanta stats from pre-2022, don't listen. Just don't listen, because it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's an entirely different track 
Yeah, those stats probably correlate better with like high tire wear and like Auto Club and Miami and and whatnot. But um, yeah, I can't find I can't find that stats tweet that I saw earlier in the week. But yeah, it's basically like he's led basically one lap in the last like eight plate races or something, and that was only because of he missed the hit call with the rest of his Chevy teammates or something like <laughs> so um, I don't know but that's how I'm building this week is mostly for standard intermediate um, but you still have to take into account um, the fact that there's drafting involved and some dudes just aren't good at drafting you know, I feel like we've spent so much time on, I guess, uh, race theory, contest selection. Uh, I'm still kind of up in the air of how I'm going to approach these races, especially, you know, once we know the fate of truck and Xfinity qualifying and everything. Um, for cash games, for yes. Sunday's race, do you think you're going to go more of a stack the back method or are you going to just – not necessarily throw a GPP lineup together, or are you just going to try to throw the best educated lineup together that you think? So by that, I mean, like, maybe you have an idea of three to four drivers in the back that you can stack. Maybe there's a driver in the teens and inside the top 25 that you can stack. And are you going to try to find that one guy that can maybe lead 100 laps in this race? Or for cash games, are you just stacking the back? So... That's that's an outstanding question. So if we take a look at again the July race because it's 400 laps or 400 miles rather. So I want to go off that because it's going to be an equal point total to um, what we're going to see on Sunday. And look, there was a pretty decent amount of guys. I don't have access to. I don't remember how much a lot of these guys were for this race but there are one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen guys in the field put up 40 or more dk points so out of those they all had a pretty decent smattering of fastest laps not all of them led laps um in fact out of those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. So basically half of them led laps, and two of those were two and seven laps. So it's not like you're getting very many points out of those. Um, but it was mainly PD that got you over the 40 points uh, last year. So it's, again, not a pure stack to back, um, and it's going to depend on how... Um, stuff fully shakes out but i don't know of the guys that put up 40 points in last july's race one two three four five six of them started in the top 10 yeah i mean and then a bunch of them started 25th or worse I was trying to tell myself all week long for, for truck, Xfinity, and Cup, just do one lineup, play it mostly in cash games, throw it in some 
you know, low dollar tournaments as well, just to see what happens. Uh, but as we get closer to the weekend, and I re- I'm realizing like Truck and Xfinity, the qualifying session might be rained out, in which case I'm relegated to building uh, just one tournament lineup for each race. Um, and I-, I-, I think I'm opening myself up to the idea to maybe just doing 20 lineups in the happy hour for the Cup Series race, which is just $20 worth of entry fees. Um, I think that's where I'm going to land this week. Uh, I'm not sure how deep you want to drive into the driver bowl because we are recording this Thursday night. We don't know the starting order yet. Are there any, I guess, potential drivers to win the race? Or are there any values that you want to touch on before we dive into the playbook? Because the playbook is going to be a collective a collective effort between you and myself Correct. this week. You know, You will have your drivers that you'd like just based on you know, track fit and, and style. And then once we know the starting order, I will go forth Sunday morning and, and publish the playbook with, you know, good PD plays and just overall just solid plays based on where we saw qualifying. Yeah. I, look, we touched on one. Corey LaJoy, I think, is going to be a popular budget play this week, probably regardless of where – he starts just because he tends to be fairly good at drafting type tracks. He ran pretty well here last year. He has these races circled on his calendar for cha- for fair chances to win and punch a ticket to the playoffs. Um, guys I'm not overly enthused about playing would be Harrison Burton and Todd, Gill- and Todd Gilliland. I, I just don't see them as providing a whole lot of um upside obviously depends on where they start but even so like i'm not even sure they really did all that much last year i mean todd gillen todd gillen had a decent july race i'll grant him i'll grant him that um but harrison burton's not really on my radar this week i'm not even sure i really like noah Graxon that much um i think he's just out there churning laps at this point um i'm not sure that we really have to go dumpster diving in the price tags to be honest um sorry for the yawns there um even though i'm on vacation it's been a long week here (laughs) i think so i built a lineup before the pod started that we both kind of feel pretty good about obviously we don't know starting spots but um, it's got 1200 bucks left over on DK. Dude, just give it away. Give it away, man. Give it away. So it's good, I've got, it's a good build. I've got Seabell, Bowman, Truex, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, and LaJoy. And that leaves you with 1200 bucks and nobody's above 9,500 <clears> in that build and nobody's below six grand in that build. Yeah. So you can pretty solidly live in the mid tier. Does it mean that we're completely avoiding guys who are 10 grand and above? No. Chastain's ten grand, Logano's ten two, Blaney's ten four, Kyle Busch is ten seven, Byron's ten nine. I'd rather pay ten nine for Byron than eleven two for Larson. Yeah. Um, you know, so you've got Harvick in there ninety three hundred, and no, none of his previous Atlanta stats count. Also, by the way, awesome job for the All Star race with the twenty nine throwback. Yeah, phenomenal. Um. I don't think the Denny and Chastain stuff 
matters this week. I, I really don't. I think it, they, I trust them at their words that they buried the hatchet at Phoenix last week. Despite and plus, getting if suspended. they were, well, if they were to continue that nonsense, you wouldn't do it at this track. No, it's yeah, because you're going to take out a bunch of other people that you don't want. Like, you'd rather just wait for either Coda or one of the three short tracks coming up after Coda. <laughs> Or one of the six intermediates left on the schedule, you know, something like that. Um, Baba's eighty three hundred bucks, which I think is a perfectly reasonable price. Very good for him on a uh, basically a drafting track. Finished thirteenth here in the spring and finished. This is fourteenth uh, in the summer after he started thirty second. Yeah, I I don't know what to do about Josh Berry at seventy three hundred bucks. He went down. It'll depend on where he qualifies. Let's just leave it at that. He went down since the last two races in price on DK. He was eight grand the last two races. He's seventy three hundred. I think it's just because DK didn't really know what to do for the last couple of races because yeah. it was great. Like the people that come up with the salaries for drafting, I'm imagining they're not, you know, big NASCAR watchers. But it's just like they know he's in great equipment. It's it's Chase Elliott's car. Uh, he's obviously not as good of a driver, but he did get a top 10 last week. Right, but it's just interesting that it went down coming off a top 10 in the car that won this race last July. I can't, I can't speak to it. <laughs> like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. <laughs> um, Almarola, it's a plate track. He's in play. Stand Can I throw out some drivers? Why? Can I throw out some drivers? Yeah. Uh, I love the call-like guys this week. Justin Haley and A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, Almondinger won a super speedway race in the Xfinity series a year ago. Don't forget what Justin Haley did in the 2020 like season. Seven of these freaking things. Which <laughs> it's uh, I think in 2020 for the Xfinity series, he, he won three of the four races between Daytona and Talladega. Yeah. Uh, Haley alone finished seventh in the race last summer. He finished 11th here last fall. Those are going to be really good pivots off the more chalky Corey LaJoy. Everybody, including us, uh, will likely be writing up and touting Corey LaJoy's good play. Uh, the Colleague boys, A.J. Allmendinger and Justin Haley, are really good tournament pivots off the more chalky option of Corey LaJoy. And Stenhouse will probably be reasonably popular considering the fact he won Daytona. Yeah, that's fair. Right? Like, the last drafting race, that dude won it. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, it's all going to depend on where people start, but this is not a race in which I think everybody's in play. It's not like typical Daytona or Talladega where I think everybody's got a shot to be in play. I think there's more refined strategy for this race than than a typical plate track. Uh, was there anything you wanted to to touch on before we sign off uh no the schedule is going to be a little wonky again this weekend um i will have my betting pieces up on Pixwise for f1 there is f1 this weekend uh no dfs i won't have dfs coverage but congrats to dk for finally jacking up the price on red bull and verstappen uh <laughs> it get very painful to play them and not fit other people um it like Verstappen's like I think fourteen thousand regularly, and Red Bull's like thirteen one or something. Like it's they finally jacked it up because they may not lose this season. Um, they they may not. And if you're playing uh, Charles Leclerc, 
already has a 10 grid uh, penalty, 10 grid place penalty for having to take uh, equipment in the second race of the year. Congrats, Ferrari, on still being Ferrari. Um, but aside from that, I'll have betting pieces for F1 and Cup up Friday uh, on PixWise. Uh, the cup playbook is going to be a group effort between Dan and myself. So I will probably get the shell going. Um, you may see it up at some point Saturday. I might set it to publish at some point Saturday and then have it'll Dan. be up Sunday morning. I'm not going to lie. It'll be up Sunday. Morning. Well, no, because my other suggestion was that you could just add to it when after qualifying and we'll get the initial thing up. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but updated. Um, just, just the thought he, Dan and I will continue to hammer this. It'll be up at some point this weekend. So just pay attention. It to will it. be up Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time at the latest. I, I tend yeah. to get up pretty early. Um, I've already set it in my, you know, own internal schedule. Like I'm, I, cause I'm coming back from two races on Saturday and I just know, like, I'm just going to want to go to bed, but I will wake up at 4 a.m. just to finish you know, the, the cup playbook for Sunday uh, for truck and Xfinity. I guess the good thing is, is like whether qualifying is rained out Friday or not, we will know the starting order as of Friday night. So I will have a full truck playbook and court plays, and I will have a full Xfinity playbook and court plays up Saturday by probably 10 a.m. Eastern time. So those two will be both ready full uh, for you all to digest and start building your lineups. Um, I did want to add one thing uh, from 1 p.m. Eastern time to roughly 2 p.m. Eastern time, uh, literally leading up to the race. I will probably be unavailable in Discord. I am going to be heading to the track, trying to get settled in my seat. So for the truck race, I do apologize. I won't be there just to help you all with your questions. I know truck doesn't get a ton of traction, uh, but I'm going to be basically heading to the track and just getting settled at the track in my seat with my beer for these races. Uh, so I'll be more available for the Xfinity race, uh, but I do apologize, but I will have everything available with no red updates. Everything you see Saturday morning should be set in stone pending drivers going to the rear. Yeah, uh, projections for Cup will probably be out Saturday evening. I will be home some point, home as in Nebraska. At uh, some point, mid-afternoon to early evening Saturday, depending on how long the drive takes, traffic, weather, all that good stuff. Um, so I will likely have projections out Saturday evening for the cup race. Um, so it will be a little bit of a shorter schedule this weekend. Apologies, but it is what it is uh, with myself traveling, and then we'll be back to regular uh, coverage for CODA which is the weekend after we get the first road race of the year, which should be should be quite fun. All right. Well, Matt, it was kind of a longer podcast, but I, I feel like we, we hit, on, hit on everything we wanted to. So thank you so much for your time. I know you're on vacation with your family. Uh, best of luck to you this week, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.